Hello and welcome to this episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. My name is Reese, and today we're going to be having a look at another segment of the Big Picture specials. Uh, this one's going to be called What is the UK Government Doing? So what this segment's actually going to cover is we're going to be having a look at some of the news stories that maybe, uh, well, they aren't an election and they aren't really big enough for their own 15-minute devoted podcast time. Uh, and we're going to have a look at them. We're going to see how the government's progressing from day to day. And that's what we're going to be doing in this. So today we're going to be looking at the Home Office sacking of the, or the resignation, not a sacking, um, of the Chief Cabinet Minister or Chief Civil Servant in that office. Uh, the third Bremer plans at Heathrow, the flooding in Northern England and Brexit red lines. So enjoy. <laughs> So we are going to start this big picture special by having a look at the recent developments in the Home Office. And, um, well, there is something quite interesting going on because the head of the Home Office Civil Service, uh, let me just get his name, I think it's Sir Sir Philip Rutnam, um, I suppose I should actually say the, uh, the former head of the Home Office Civil Service has resigned. And he said he intends to claim for constructive dismissal by the government. And the reason Sir Philip Rutland has resigned is because he said that there has been a vicious and orchestrated campaign against him in the office of the Home Secretary, that is Priti Patel. Um, There had been reported tensions between the pair, so this is the top civil servant and the top minister in the department, um, but... Um, Priti Patel has denied claims of that and including claims of mistreatment. Um, The Prime Minister has released a statement which says he has full confidence in his cabinet. Rather, that came from a Downing Street spokesman. Um, Although this move is very unusual. Um, You don't tend to see uh, civil servants resigning and then firing shots back at their ministerial overseers it is very very irregular to have such an experienced civil servant turning around and firing shots towards um the minister in charge of their department um there are several political commentators who have commented on how unusual this is um but if the the conduct which Sir Philip Rutland alleges has taken place, and of course you would expect this. Uh, the number of allegations towards Priti Patel, uh, they include swearing, belittling people, uh, making unreasonable demands, um, and in fact Sir Philip said that the behaviour had created fear and needed some bravery to call out. Uh, and he's also said it was his duty to protect the health, safety and well-being of 35,000 Home Office workers. Uh, and he felt that that duty created tension between him and Priti Patel, and that is why he had to resign. Um, this, again, just to reiterate, this is very, very unusual for a civil servant to do this, and it does look particularly bad from Priti Patel, uh, or on Priti Patel. It reflects badly on her. Um, she has... Uh, actually, she has not made a statement to herself directly, but the office and the Home Office have been saying 
that they repeatedly deny these allegations uh, and indeed have made some counter allegations uh, through the media against Sir Philip Rutland. Um, Sir Philip actually is uh, calling those allegations completely false. Um, what we, we do know though is that this is just another example of some level of upheaval within the Boris Johnson government. We've already had uh, people like Satyajit Javid having to resign over ministers and this conflict between ministers and those around them, those advisors and those civil servants um, has become somewhat a feature of this Cummins and Boris Johnson uh, administration. I think it's quite pertinent that I've actually put Dominic Cummins ahead of Boris Johnson. A lot of people are painting him as the real Prime Minister, the man with the power. Um, and indeed, Sir Philip Rutland has called this out in his leaving statement, or however you want to call it, his resignation letter. Uh, he didn't just fire these shots at Priti Patel, he took fire at a wider pattern in government about rattling cages and hurrying things along. Um, he says he will be pursuing a, a case in the Employment Tribunal, this constructive dismissal case, saying that um, the Home Office essentially, or the Home Secretary, as part of the Home Office team, uh, has forced him to resign through untenable behaviour. If that happens, um, that would be very interesting. He has said that the Cabinet Office uh, had offered him a large or a financial settlement to avoid this legal pathway, uh, but he's turned it down. So this would be quite interesting to see if there was a claim of constructive dismissal against the government. Um, and that would reflect incredibly badly on the Home Secretary and on the entire government, because to have your top Home Office Minister, uh, Home Office Civil Servant resign is bad enough, but to have them essentially be forced out by uh, the government in some sort of form of constructive dismissal, well, that would just be wrong because it's part of the principle of the civil service that they are independent of government and cannot be fired um, apart from on issues of rank incompetency. Even that, however, uh, should normally be done by the chief, uh, by the cabinet secretary, sorry, who's the head of the UK civil service. So that is just one thing that the government is up to. Um, another one, he throws third runway. Now you will probably have heard uh, very recently that the plans to build a third runway at Heathrow have been blocked by the courts on legal grounds. Uh, it was uh, apparently in breach of environmental legislation and that um, th that seems like incompetence from someone who would have put through this piece of legislation in order to find oh it is actually illegal um, that decision was made by the then transport secretary Chris Grayling who has a bad record in terms of legal decisions and uh, well thought out spending uh, he was the one who uh, gave the contract to Seabom Freight um, for these ferries in the event of a no-deal Brexit. Uh, that company didn't actually operate any ferries or have any boats at the time. Um, and this is just another example of some, it seems to be ranking competence from Chris Grayling, because if it 
breaches environmental law, uh, then why even bother trying to put the law through? Because he knows, or uh, anyone would have known, this would have faced a judicial review, and uh, as it has done, and this has put the stops on this third runway at Heathrow, at least for the time being. Um, interestingly, this could play well for the Prime Minister, because he has previously promised that in order to avoid a third runway at Heathrow, he would lie down in front of the bulldozers or the steamrollers or whichever piece of mechanical equipment would be used to make this runway at Heathrow. When the Theresa May administration put forward this Heathrow third runway bill and it was passed, he was conveniently, as he was foreign secretary then, he was conveniently uh, ill-disposed um, because he was in, I believe, Afghanistan, uh, which was, well, quite convenient for him because he didn't have to defy the whip as foreign secretary and vote against something, which he always, always said he would vote against. Um, now he is, of course, prime minister. People had been wondering, would he step in and stop this third runway at Heathrow? Because, he, like I said, he has been consistently against it. Um, but, of course, it would be against Tory party policy, which he inherited from Theresa May and could cause a rift between his cabinet. Um, he now can avoid it altogether again because the courts have said no to it. Uh, so that is one other thing. Um, interestingly, another thing that he could face a fracturing Tory party on is the 5G network. So Huawei... Um, have been allowed access to build some of the 5G network after a national security meeting, a national security council meeting, a uh, month or so ago now, and that caused some backlash within the Conservative Party. There are some people, um, Ian Duncan Smith was one of them, a very large figure in the Conservative Party, a former leader, uh, who have been quite sceptical about Huawei. Um, but uh, that's another thing where the government is acting and it could leave their party left behind um we've sort of brushed over that but the it's rather less important right now than uh this aspect of what the government has been getting up to and this is the flooding no-show and the climate patterns which have changed and have caused some devastation in northern england and other areas around the uk um but especially up in the north, uh, storms have been sweeping across Britain and their impacts have been felt. There have been large-scale flooding, businesses have been cleared out, homes have been destroyed, uh, they're now rendered unlivable for, for months perhaps. Um, and it is notable that the Prime Minister has not gone up to visit them this time. Before the uh, general election when there was flooding in the north of England the Prime Minister went up to see and to meet with people this time the Prime Minister has not gone up um, now if he hadn't gone up before the election I think this would have been less of a story because you can make the case that well yes the Prime Minister going up and having a visit detracts from the day-to-day -day relief efforts uh, and could get in the way of the emergency services or whoever it is that is trying to effectuate the uh, clear-up operation or other such uh, events could go on. But it is 
and noticeable his absence this time around purely because he was there the first time around uh, and he was prime minister then and it was the middle of an election campaign then and it does look rather odd especially as after the general election the prime minister made a large amount out of how grateful he was to the northern voters for having lent the Conservatives their vote, those so-called red wall seats who changed for the first time in generations from voting Labour to voting Conservative because they thought the Conservatives would be better for them. And now it feels like the Prime Minister has gone, well, thank you very much for your vote. Um, Cheers, you're on your own. Uh, And there is a lot of feeling up in the North that he's left them behind. Uh, he's taken their vote at the ballot box and now well, he's in government. Now he doesn't have to listen to them. And I think that is, well, it's it's a, it's a dangerous way to govern and to run from election to election by just taking the world of people at that one snapshot and then going, oh, well, I don't have to do all of the all of the things I said I'd do now. I'll just wait and deliver some of them later so it looks like I've made... I fulfilled on my promise. I can fulfill on the headline ones, but if I leave the day-to-day running to other people, that's a dangerous way to govern. And I think it really disheartens people who voted for the Conservatives because they thought they were the right party, um, or for whatever reason they voted for, voted for the Conservatives, and it feels to some that they have just been let, let down by the Conservative Party and by Boris Johnson and his government. And it's not a good look it's not a good look one other thing that the government has been getting on with is to do with brexit and brexit has officially happened but we will all still call the future agreement negotiations brexit probably um, because we're so used to the name but the government has said that if it is not looking like we're going to get a favorable deal out of the european union um, for the future arrangement if we're not going to get that, and it doesn't look like we're going to get it by uh, June or July, then, well, they'll just walk away. The government will simply walk away from the uh, the negotiations in June or July, leave everything. And that seems um, somewhat futile and irresponsible. Um, the government has until December to agree the negotiations. Technically, it has less time than that to implement it, but it doesn't take six months to implement an agreement that it's taken you six months to to draw up. So, yes, perhaps if there was no agreement by October and it didn't look like there was going to be any agreement at all uh, or it was going to be an unfavourable agreement, then you could consider walking away. But to put down this arbitrary red line that says if we don't get what we want by June or July, we will just go... um, this doesn't look like strong negotiating. This looks like we're throwing our toys out of the pram. It's a petulant move. And just when we've got past one deadline, a deadline of uh, seeing through a period of time where there were so many red lines and so many boundaries, that oh, well, we really won't cross them, and then we end up crossing them, and then, oh, well, this mustn't happen, and then it eventually does. Just starting this next process off by setting another red line it seems like we haven't learned anything from the last three years of negotiating that we think a very similar approach will work this time around. 
Remember Theresa May, no deal is better than a bad deal, one of the first things she said in her European negotiations? Well, this looks like Red Lines Part 2. And, well, I'm not exactly optimistic about this strategy. Maybe I will be proven wrong, and I sincerely hope I am, because the best thing for Britain is a good deal for Britain. And if this government can get it, then fair play to them. But I do not feel that judging by the way the last three years of negotiations have gone, that this is the way to go about getting it. Right then, that is all for me today. Uh, Hopefully this has given you some insight into what actually is going on in government right now, sort of the headline issues of what the government is doing. Um, So we've gone through, what, four four stories today. Um, Maybe this will become uh, a more regular feature. It depends on what the government does uh, because if it's big enough it'll probably get its own little segment but all that's left for me to do today is to say thank you very much for listening and i hope to see you around again soon for the next episode of the politics unbox podcast my name is reese thank you very much for listening and goodbye (laughs) 